You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You're you're tuned in to It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati, the top podcast covering the defending AFC champion Cincinnati Bengals. Hosted by Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata at Odyssey Sports Podcast. We are back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. Lindsey Patterson, Mike Santagata here. Mike, how you doing? I'm doing good. How are you doing, Lindsey? Not too bad. Tuesdays are my least favorite day of the week. Uh, not because we do the podcast. They just are. <laughs> <laughs> but today's going okay. All right. Yeah. I feel like everybody has that one day of the week where they're like, this is my least favorite day. Tuesday's mine because Mondays are always just busy. I guess Tuesday. Anything. I don't know. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, all not great days. Okay, I guess we all we all have. I guess that. you get football Thursday, but it's, it hasn't been a good product lately. No, there's been bad football throughout the week, and I'm gonna be completely honest with you. I love the NFL, but you won't catch me watching four quarters of the Thursday night games or the Monday night football game. The only reason I watched it this past Monday was for the main cast of Joe Burrow, and we have to talk about it. Did you watch it? Yeah. I have a couple problems. <clears throat> Number one. The meeting cast is worth a lot of money, and I know they have producers, so I'm not throwing the producers under the bus, but I feel like they could have asked different questions. All that stuff we've heard, the nickname stuff, please throw that out the window if you're interviewing Joe Burrow. It's not relevant anymore. Of course, he has all the nicknames, but that's kind of like last season question. The viral Wisdom Tooth Girl was hilarious last week. But we kind of moved on. And I just felt like you have Peyton Manning, Eli Manning, two quarterbacks. Let's talk quarterback stuff. Would you they, know? they actually brought that up. Uh, the quarterback play was bad. So that's, I think, part of the reason they didn't really talk. I know at one point Peyton said, hopefully we get a good, uh, a couple good plays here so we could all break it down. <laughs> Something like that. And I was like, oh, man. you can break down the bad ones. But I, I just think that players, former players, they don't want to rag on these guys you know like say like he made a big mistake here or you know he's just playing terribly or something like that I don't even think they needed to talk about the game because the game wasn't really good I think you could have just talked in general about just offense Joe Burrow and, and I know they kind of went to a couple plays and talked about a you know a few things with Joe I just I don't know I just I felt like it's poorly managed because they all talk over each other and it's awkward how they go to breaks because I know obviously they're probably not going to the breaks on time. But I, this is just personal watching it. I'm like, mm, I don't know. I I wasn't really that impressed with how it all went. But it's not I don't think the Joe Burrow interview went perfect. I think the best part was when a pass got batted, and yes. they, they talked about that. You know, 
uh, that was the best part. The, the Manning's questions were kind of whatever, but I like the Manning cast a lot, but really the Manning cast to me is at its best when it's just Peyton and Eli just talking. Um, and I, I mean, there was, there was also the fun, I guess it's also been done, but the Mac Jones, Joe Burrow pictures side by side to me, that was also funny. And he'd add in the, the Eli small bucket Sam Castle picture. I don't know. Like, it's just fun. You kind of want there to be more when they do an interview with a guy like Joe Burrow, but it's at its best when it's just the two Mannings talking. I think they like to get the guests so more people tune in. As you just said, you only tuned in for the Joe Burrow content. I was out after so. that. I had to wake up to see who won the game. I was like, oh, who won? Oh, I didn't stay up to watch either. I mean, Kyler got hurt on like the first play, and yeah. I was like, this game's not going to go well. And it didn't for Arizona. Yeah, I still don't believe in the Patriots, but we'll get to kind of more of the playoff picture soon on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. But, yeah, I just had some thoughts on that. That's how I felt. Not the end of the world. Obviously, cool that Joe Burrow is on the Manning casting. He's on there with Peyton Manning and Eli Manning. Um, it know, ended super awkwardly. Yeah, the whole bedtime thing. I That felt like they got a message or something, right? Like, maybe not from the Bengals, but, like, ESPN maybe was even like, hey, end of the first quarter, wrap this up. But Burrow was, like, in the middle of talking, and they just kind of had to interrupt him and say, hey, you're off the bed because it was hitting commercial break. And I was like, yeah. ooh, uh, that yeah. didn't end smoothly. I've, that was maybe the worst ending I've seen on a cast. Yeah, they just got to hit their breaks on time. But, uh, but yeah, at the end of the day, it's cool. Joe Burrow's on it, but it's not anything that I feel like I need to go back and, and rewatch. Um, speaking of rewatching. You're doing your best, man. You go back, you rewatch the tapes, make sure you're following him on Twitter. Bengals underscore Sands. He has great breakdowns, clips from the game offensively and defensively. This isn't our mailbag segment, but I did throw it out on social media because I want to hear what the fans want to hear you break down. And we'll start with Colonel. He says, was this just a bad game for the offensive line against a good defensive front or should there should we be a little concerned? Sorry, uh, fiance is moving some stuff on the other part of the room. Uh, so uh, sorry, what was the question? I get distracted. He, he wants to just know how you felt really about the offensive line against this defensive front. Oh, uh, I, I felt like the offensive line did a good job run blocking. Um, anytime you get running back up to seven yards per carry, you had a pretty good day at the office and they didn't do a great job early on, but I also think that Mixon was playing good, not great early on taking what was there, but nothing more. And then he started taking more being the guy that everybody hopes he could be Uh pass protection was a different story. I thought the pass protection was very mitigated by Joe Burrow. I think that there are a few guys losing across the board is a little bit of the usual suspect in well Collins not be able to hold up more than two two and a half seconds but there was also the issue of Miles Garrett and I think at times Jonah Williams held his own but there hasn't been a guy that's held his own truly against Miles Garrett that I've seen uh maybe last year Laramie Tunsil you could argue he did an okay job but he was even losing a rep or two here there he's just an alien he's a dude that's gonna win reps so you have that, and uh, I thought Volson played okay. Kappa had an uncharacteristically not great game, and Ted Karras had a good game, but he also didn't get tested that much in pass protection. I think he did a good job of what he was asked, but it's not like they had some butt-kicking nose tackle that went head up over him the entire game. 
Yeah, I kind of want to go to the thrills because this was brought up and there there are two things that I've actually, you know, I thought a little bit about from the Kansas City Chiefs game to the touchdown pass to Jamar Chase. And Jeffrey Smith wants to know, was it a better throw from Joe for the Jamar TD catch or was it the third and 11 throw to T. Higgins? I'm going to say the throw to Jamar. I think it was. 100%. Yeah, I think it was a tighter window. I think it was uh, pretty insane. And it showed off his improvements in arm strength. I don't know if that throw gets made his rookie year, but he, he always plays with his anticipation. That's at a high level, plays with, you know, on perfectly on time right now and just rips that ball. And didn't look like the whole arm strength issue to me on that one. He's able to drive it with some force and fit it in there into a real tight window. They played single high coverage on that, but the safety just played basically over Jamar Chase to give almost like a pseudo double team of sorts. Denzel Ward's in man coverage with them. He beats Ward and Burrow's able to fit it right in between them. And that's hard to do. Chase said didn't see it till what the last five, yards or so you can see him adjust in real time last second going, Ooh. <laughs> i mean if it was let i mean just a second that that ball's not landing in chase's hands but he just great ball by joe and and just obviously jamar chase is amazing at what he does and and joe burrow you know credited him on the meeting cast of just how intelligent jamar is his football iq and you hear that about joe too i want to go to the third and 11 play um you know did talk to t higgins about that today and what's funny about it all is he's like I thought we were running the ball. He thought for sure that they would just be running the ball on third and 11. There was no way they were going to throw it. And Joe told them in the huddle, nope, we're going for the first down. And uh, that's what ended the game. So obviously just great all around play. That play pretty insane when you consider it was also tight coverage um, and it fit over the hand. You know, that I think you could argue he's getting pressure on that play, he takes a hit right after, so maybe that's why you could argue it. And also, it's probably slightly more important to put the Chiefs away than it was to just score the first touchdown against the Browns. But uh, as a pure throw, I think what he did to Chase was better. Clay wants to know, our guy, Cam Taylor-Britt, we saw him take a big leap last week, and I'd just love to hear more about Cam Taylor-Britt and what we've seen from him in his, his NFL starts. Yeah, I actually consider this game to be a little bit of a bounce back game uh, because he started off not great. I think they picked on him a little bit early. The Browns' early uh, strategy seemed to be let's throw and run plays to get that rookie corner one-on-one or confused, and it worked for the first series of plays or so. But he bounced back, and when everything mattered the most, the final drive of the game, well, second to last drive, but that last drive, they were dead in water. But this drive, they had some life. Early fourth quarter, and he gets tested three times. First, he makes a run stop on a first down. But then he gets tested three times through the air once the Browns hit the red zone. The first was about from the 20. I think it was a first down. They threw it left sideline deep down the field, and he almost makes a pick on the play. He's one-on-one with Amari Cooper, and he's in perfect position. Cooper has to play a little bit of defensive back and get the ball out of there. But uh, that was really high level stuff then because that's their best receiver too then later on second and or third and goal 
they tried to get Cooper on a slant against him. He does a really good job. He's playing inside leverage and eventually Cooper wins, but he forces Cooper to go up high and around that way. So Cooper is forced to the back of the end zone. He's also right in his hip, which forces a high throw too. And it's just, you need the perfect throw, perfect catch to be able to make that play. And that may not be immaculate coverage, but it's very good to great coverage to try to force perfect throws to beat you. That's that's not sustainable for an offense. And then the last one was the goal line fade to Donovan Peoples-Jones, who is big. And you know, this is actually an area that Kim Taylor-Britt has struggled with throughout the year. You could think of the Terrace Marshall catch. You could think of the Traylon Burks catch. This time he, he, he gets beat at the line a little bit, but it's you know thrown with some loft. He recovers, plays through Peoples-Jones' hands, throws him to the ground, pass breakup on fourth down and that just that not only did that end the browns chances in this game it ended their season because they're not coming back from being this far down and uh credit to him he had he had a real nice game in my opinion i think pff did said this was one of his worst games and uh i just think that's one of the flaws in pf because it doesn't it treats every play as a vacuum the exact same doesn't consider the opponent it yeah there's just plenty of issues with it and i just think that when you have a drive like the last drive that cam taylor put together where he's tested repeatedly and he steps up and wins all of those challenges that moves you up so much in my mind and that's why i think the players are saying breakout game because he stepped up and when they needed him the most he was there he put the browns out of their misery and I don't know if Pro Football Focus cares, but that's that's why I think everybody is saying he had such a good game, including me. I want to say this about Pro Football Focus. I promise not to be, you know, throwing anything their way because I know that they work really hard. Um, but I don't take too much into the grades anymore. Yeah, I, I, I never really have. I just prefer to watch on my own. Um, yeah. But I feel like they get like they're a monopoly. They're the only ones that do it. So they get taken. They can say what they want and we have to go by. And if they give a 91 to Joe Burrow, we're like, great. Joe Burrow got a 91. And it's just, it's one of those things that you retweet them when you love it. And then when they don't like, it's not a great grade. I'm just like, Oh, okay. I just think there's a lot of times it doesn't match with what I looked at. You know, it's just like, I need a good explanation here because what I'm seeing with my eyeballs isn't matching up with the number that is getting thrown out by the grading system. And I know the NFL teams pay pro football focus, but I don't think it's for the grades. I don't think they're just paying to see those grades. They're paying for stuff that we don't see some, uh, you know, some charting, some advanced analytics stuff. You know, there's, there's stuff in there that, you know, we don't talk about with pro football focus that they do. They're not paying going like, all right, we got to scout the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Let's see who's good on this team. Who's got above an 80. Now they're going to check that out themselves. Do you think it's like that with the offensive line grades? Because I feel like that's where we see it more. I I think people don't love trying to learn about offensive line play. So they just go, oh, I like the pro football focus offensive line grades. And I don't agree. <laughs> like, like David Quesenberry was the number one offensive tackle for them last year. I think most people are saying who. He was the Tennessee Titans right tackle. And if you're trying to remember any play that guy made in the Bengals two games against or in Bengals game against them, you probably don't uh, because he was whatever. And then the NFL teams that are paying pro football focus, they didn't 
pay him like he's the number one offensive tackle in the entire NFL. He got paid as a swing tackle. He's been a swing tackle for Buffalo, only stepping in when either Spencer Brown or Deion Dawkins has been hurt. That's that's how much uh, you know. That's how much they care about these grades to say that you know. Oh, the best tackle in the in the NFL. Let's give him two million dollars, <laughs> and it works. They're getting these guys paid credit to them. Uh, but but honestly, you know, all, all local fans know, I, I say this all the time when it comes to coverage, make sure you're following your local people that cover the team. And then when you think of film breakdown, there are plenty of great people in the Bengals circle, including Bengals underscore sand. So, you know, follow, follow, follow the people who who watch this team day in and day out. And um, there are plenty of good follows on Twitter. It doesn't have to be, you know, the national stuff um, to just hear good grades on your team. But we have plenty more to talk about. We didn't even get to DJ Reader, who we love on this podcast next on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This, this is It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati with Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata. We are back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. Again, we talked a little bit about it after the Bengals and Browns game. But DJ Reader, everybody on Twitter wants you to talk about Nick Chubb's father, is what they call him. <laughs> Oh man, that Nick Chubb's father, you know, the entire interior of the Browns yes. offensive line. And Nick Chubb is a good running back. He's one of the best oh, in the NFL. We've said that on here. Best in the NFL, I think, mm-hmm. is fair to say. Nick Chubb's had two games under four yards per carry. There's uh, the game against Buffalo and this one. The next closest is like the 4.3 something that he had against the Bengals. And if you think of that game, you are not thinking that the Bengals really held up in <laughs> their run defense. It's like, not that they played terribly, but you're not going like, oh, they shut him down. No, he's been so consistently good this entire year that holding him under three yards per carry when the next closest other than the Buffalo game is 4.3, pretty insane. That's like two yards per carry difference. Uh, a whole Nick Chubb who's probably about two yards tall. Uh, but yeah, DJ Reader is awesome. I mean, the things he was doing to Joel Batonio, who's one of the best left guards in the entire NFL, you know, they tried everything with him. He beat doubles with Batonio, and uh, I think that was with the backup center. He dominated that backup center when they played, but that's to be expected. Uh, it was just surprising what he's able to do to Batonio. Because I think the world of Betonio, and I think probably a stalemate, multiple reps where DJ Reader gets underneath him in his pads, 
great hand placement to just lock him out and do whatever he wants. You know, there's a few reps that Joel Batonio is DJ readers, you know, like, uh, blocking sled, basically. <laughs> he's just like, it's as if he's not there. He's just kind of running him around. Like, I right, look this way, look this way, throw him to the side, make the tackle. He made so many solo tackles or got involved in tackles on Nick Chubb as well. So like, that was also awesome to see from a nose tackle, but there's that one. Then they just tried to cut block him at one point and he just slams his hands down into him and forces, you know, Joel Batonio to hit the ground, goes over him and then makes a tackle on Chubb. Oh, this guy is playing at an insane level. There's not – I don't think you could name three defensive tackles who play better run defense. And it, it sucks for the Pro Bowl and the All-Pro that you don't have a nose tackle. You just We get to vote on fullbacks. I voted for four fullbacks. The Bengals don't even have a listed fullback. We're Stanley. But, uh, like, there's – like. One, two, maybe three fullbacks who even matter in the NFL depends what you mean by matter. Like you stick to the only one who really makes a difference. Other than that, you got a couple guys that are involved a bit. Why are we voting on these fullbacks, but we're not voting on those tackle? That's it, just a whole mess. And then when you're talking about Pro Bowl voting and stuff, that's just best pass rusher. You know, who? How is Reader going to win that with like one sack when Chris Jones has double digits and uh, no? Jeffrey Simmons has eight or so or whatever, whatever's going on. Like there's defensive tackles with like high sack totals. And that's the stat they show. Oh, this is all just Pro Bowl voting now. But that's the stat well, they show. To say about big, that. big, bold print is the sack total. That's that's the one they're trying to throw at you. Um, whatever. Like <laughs> what about DJ Reader, Christian Wilkins, and Dexter Lawrence are like the three best run defending defensive tackles. Is that – matter at all no there's no there's nothing there for it um whatever i i I think all pro voters aren't gonna care either and that just sucks too but if you just made nose tackle its own thing they'd have to at least care a little bit because none of these nose tackles are gonna have five plus sacks yeah i mean the whole thing i'm just gonna say something about the pro bowl because it's just so annoying it's the worst. And the reason I feel bad for the players who deserve a Pro Bowl is because it's contract stuff. They get bonuses. They get comped for it. And it just – It's Hall of Fame too. Yeah. It, it, and the thing about last year, Joe Burrow – sorry, Lamar Jackson, you were not a Pro Bowler last year, and he was voted in the Pro Bowl over Joe Burrow and over other quarterbacks. And I think that's absolutely insane. Um, and that is not an AFC North bias or anything like that. That's just how I feel. And I felt about that way last year. It's so bad. It's so bad. They have to fix a way to do it. But the thing is, the people who vote on the MVP, um, even the Pro Bowl, I know it's teammates. Half these people don't watch every game. Oh, absolutely not. I mean, it's just a lot of time. So I understand it to a degree, but they're watching the national games and maybe one afternoon game. Somebody brought up a good point, and this is nothing as Patrick Mahomes because he is one of the top quarterbacks in the NFL. But Patrick Mahomes threw three interceptions in that Denver Broncos game, but he made a cool spin move, so we talk about that more, and nobody talks about – and, of course, if they would have lost, we'd be definitely breaking down the three interceptions. But you don't hear about his interceptions or anything. All right, one last thing on the Pro Bowl voting. From 2011 to 2016, Andy Dalton made three Pro Bowls. That – he wasn't a Pro Bowl player in 2015. It was 2011, his rookie year, 2014, where he threw 17 interceptions and 19 touchdowns, and then 2016. How does that make sense? They didn't even include his best year 
I don't know. I, the whole thing. Yeah, 2015 was, was his best year as a Cincinnati Bengal. Yeah, it wasn't in the Pro Bowl. 2011, 2014, 2016. Yeah. And Matt Stafford's like made it, it once. <laughs> Which... and listen, we'll hear about it when the when the results come in. There's going to be like so many people over, you know, the talent the Bengals have on offense and defense. It's going to be it's just what it is. And it's unfortunate. They're not one of those teams. I mean, I tell people all the time with this national narrative, you want to hear your team talked about. And there are a few good national NFL shows that will have that conversation. NFL Live did a segment on DJ Reader that tells you that staff. They listen, they watch the games, they know what's going on. Good morning football, they'll, they'll talk about the Cincinnati Bengals. You can't look at national stuff for validation. It just sucks for the players when it comes to contract time. And they're not getting voted into this stuff because it is money and they deserve it. And it's just, I don't know, it's a flawed system. And that's how I feel. Yeah, uh, it sucks. It so that's, so I guess, where we are. And I just wish the all-pro voting was like, a lot better it's really not like they'll do better than the pro bowl voting but as much as this stuff matters when you're talking about hall of fame stuff is what i think of but also yeah contracts and everything like that for the personal player um it it's just such a flawed system so like that's what's rough uh you think of willie anderson only has uh I think a couple all pros, but he was the best right tackle that entire time. This is why they, one of the reasons they changed and now a right tackle wins the all pro, but in his time, he won three straight all pros from 2004 to 2006. And he was an all second team all pro in 2003, but there were like no right tackles that were ever being named all pros during that time because it was just offensive tackles. So unfair. I don't know. I think of all this stuff because you know, these Bengals who are fringe and mm-hmm. they don't have the Pro Bowl or the All-Pro or whatever else. Like, you listen to guys that actually watch the game and talk about it. They talk about Willie Anderson like he was a 10-time All-Pro, which he should have been, or a 10-time Pro Bowler. He's a four-time Pro Bowler, three-time All-Pro, and that could keep him out of the Hall of Fame for a while. Hopefully not in general, but just like I think that's a reason these Hall of Fame voters are they're the same ones voting on All-Pro for the most part. So uh, at least some of them. So I don't know. I, that that's what that's what gets really frustrating about the whole all pro approval thing because we could just say like, yeah, it sucks, but then contracts, Hall of Fame, all this other stuff, it's one of the biggest deals. And that's kind of how I am with that that MVP conversation. Look, it is it's Jalen Hurts, and I feel it's Joe Burrow number two, but a lot of people want to put Patrick Mahomes up there. It's those three, and that's where the conversation ends for me personally. Those are your three quarterbacks, and it normally goes to a quarterback. But that stuff matters when you play like an MVP. Obviously, the team wants a Lombardi, and at the end of the day, if you get a Lombardi, who cares if you won the MVP that season? But all of this stuff is extremely important. And Willie Anderson should be in the Hall of Fame. That's another flawed system when you think about. About the Hall of Fame voting, you know, a lot of people want to, you know, date it back to: Did your organization win? Do you have any wins? Or were you a problem child? Were you this? And it's just like, were you good at football? That's the only thing that matters. And it's just you see so many people who are not in it. And I'll say this right now: Corey Dillon should be in too. Yeah, that's um, that's my argument. Oh, I just uh, Corey Dillon was talented enough, but I have but he, not looked. It's not yet. It's he only played nine years. 49 Pro Bowl. I'm biased. But Willie Anderson, there's no bias there. You know that guy should be in. He should have been in years ago. <laughs> yeah. Also, Dylan had to play behind some bad Bengals offensive lines and offenses in general. So he was awesome. Especially he finally gets to New England. 
and he runs for 1,600 yards, and I think everybody was just kind of like, yeah, that's how good he is. Like, I think Hall of Fame talent, but his accolades, like we just talked about, even statistics aren't going to show it as much, which sucks. I did not mean for this to be Pro Bowl or Hall of Fame talk, but I am going to add this little quick story about Corey Dillon. Um, we have been two people yelling at the clouds for this entire podcast so far with PFF and the All-Pro Pro Bowl now. Yeah, we are very – we get off our lawn. Um, but I want to I want to say this about Corey Dillon and what I think is really cool. Um, obviously, everybody knows his time in Cincinnati. This happened like five years ago, this conversation. But everybody knows that that stuff that happened and how he ended up leaving Cincinnati. He, We had him on. I had a show, Beyond the Stripes, uh, a couple of years ago with some of the Bengals writers. And one of the things we asked him was, you know, did you bring your Super Bowl ring back to Cincinnati when you came back for the 50th anniversary to be like, look, I got a Super Bowl ring when I left there. And he said, no, I mean, it wasn't like that. That wasn't his mindset at all. It was at home, like hidden somewhere. Um, but he, you know, finally has like a, a pretty good relationship with Cincinnati. And I don't know. I just like that stuff. Um, he was one of the players when I was growing up that was like, this is my team. This guy can run. They were terrible. They couldn't win. But he was fun and he was really good at football. So, you know, I hope that guy and, and I, I kind of threw it out on social media. I know it's just ruler of the jungle and things like that. But I think it'd be really cool to bring him back for a game. Uh, they only have a couple couple more to go. But um, I don't know. What do you think of Corey in his, in his playing days? Uh, I was a little young. You were? Sorry. Yeah. Uh, so, like, the, I was one when he started. <laughs> so you didn't really know much about Corey Dillon. Uh, I, I remember I remember New England Corey better, like uh, that Super Bowl I remember. I don't know. And then you look back and at statistics, you watch some games over when you're older, and he looks awesome. But uh, I guess Rudy Johnson – uh, Cedric Benson were more of the guys that I was like. And Jarvis Greeno was coming in, guy who never fumbled, and then he fumbled when he came to Cincinnati. This is very much for yelling at clouds now. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> yelling about 2013. Ben All right, Jarvis we have to talk Greenow. about this team. I really did not mean for it to go this route. But speaking, ah! of, speaking of running backs, that was definitely just a let's perfect segue. That. I'm just recapping that right now. Willie Anderson should be in the Hall of Fame. Uh, Corey Dillon should come back for a Bengals game. But we're going to go to Doug Dennis because he brings up a great point. And we actually, we pretty much talk about him every show. Joe Mixon, Smaj P. Ryan, he puts in Travion Williams out there. Um, just wants to talk about their play. All run hard and all have that balance that keeps the defenses off Burrow. Burrow gets a lot of credit, and he's great, but the run game and the play action make it all possible. None of the other great quarterbacks have this luxury, and the balance might be what wins it all. So he wants to kind of just give credit to the running game right now. Yeah, uh, they should, and I have been saying it. I think the run offense is at best with Joe Mixon, and it looked like it on Sunday. Uh, not that P. Ryan played poorly or anything. I thought P. Ryan played well as well. They're both playing well. They are a dynamic duo. And I think the 60-40 split is just about perfect, what I would do with them uh, just for snaps in general. So I thought the Bengals did a really good job of managing this game with the two running backs. And I thought Joe Mixon played exceptionally, especially in that second half. I thought he was solid in the first half, but there was a, a few like, that could have been better, whatever else. Second half, he's running through, breaking a bunch of tackles. He's playing awesome football, reading the game really well. It felt like maybe there was just a little bit of rust or cobwebs early on and knocked those out and 
I think in the second half of this game, he played as well as he did against Carolina. And the stats really show it too, because both games he ends with seven yards per carry. I loved the Samaj P. Ryan touchdown because even the cameras couldn't find him when he got out of the, the huddle and just kind of just started running and they ran all the way to the end zone. I'm like, I don't know how the guy got out of that, but I love that. And Samaj P. Ryan runs hard. But what I loved about it, the end result, when you look at the percentage wise, you know, Joe Mixon's getting most of the reps, but Samaj still out there. They're not going to back off what's been working for them too while Joe Mixon is out. And again, just reminding people, enjoy it. Enjoy what you're seeing with this run game because we were complaining early on in the season that they can't run the football right now and now look at this offense. Oh, my goodness. I, I still remember all of the talks about the run game and fire Frank Pollock and, you know, the running backs are terrible, blah, blah, blah. Where we are now, pretty good spot. Blah, blah, blah. We're here now. Yeah, I'm just skipping over it. You know, go back to those podcasts if you want to hear my thoughts on one. We were we were at the point where we were joking, but like debating maybe if it gets really bad this season, we can just have people call in uh, because it was just like an zero and two start. The sky was falling, and we didn't really know what was going to happen. But uh, things have uh, really turned around for this crew. It's been a nice five game run now. I'm liking it right now. I'm going to get to more about this win streak and kind of the playoff picture if the playoffs were today and why I feel like it would benefit the Cincinnati Bengals next on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. This, this is It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati with Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata. We are back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati, and I've been thinking about this a little bit. Bengals are riding on a five-game win streak. It's the longest win streak in the AFC. The Bills are behind the most four-game win streak right now. They look like the most complete team. They are battling injuries right now. Um, you know, health isn't totally on their side, but Joe Burrow has learned to play with other wide receivers to be determined if T Higgins and Tyler Boyd go against the Bucks. They are currently day to day, according to Zach Taylor, Trey Hendrickson. He might play with the club. Just what we talked about on the game. He's not ruled out for Sunday. And honestly, I think the club could be a benefit for him out there. <laughs> I mean, he could have that club on defense. I don't know. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I, I personally, I think I'd rather just run Osai because a, I want to see what Osai can do, and then b, I want to, uh, I want to save Trey for the long run. Uh, and that's well, that's what's great about this coaching staff. We we've already seen it. You see the T Higgins stuff. You see, um, you know what what they decided to do with Joe Mixon. They are thinking about January and hopefully beyond the rest of the season. To, if they need these guys or, or, you know, who else can step up? You see that with the depth in the wide receiver room. We've talked about it before. During the trade deadline, everybody wanted this team to go put a bunch of money um, into 2023 for a guy that was a free agent that we had, you know, no chemistry with Joe Burrow, but he was a big name and it was going to be an overpay. And look how that worked out for them. This front office trusted what they had when, it had, when they had this depth and they had Joe Burrow at quarterback and nothing really skipped a beat. Uh, ben, they were without Jamar Chase for a lengthy amount of time. Still had this offense rolling, still winning a lot of games. So, yeah, personally, if you feel like Joseph Asai can go out there, I know he was battling a shoulder injury, according to Zach Taylor on Monday, but we don't know how severe that is. That could be another day-to-day -day thing. We will honestly find out so much more on Wednesday afternoon and Thursday of where they really stand going into this Bucks game. Uh, I know a lot of people feel, well, we'll get to preview and prediction and all that. Uh, Tom Brady coming off a beatdown is a bad news, but I don't know. He's... 
he's kind of old Tom Brady now. I hope that doesn't come back and get me. But uh, I don't know. I don't really think too much about that. I think Tom Brady is still all right, but I think that the team around him is not playing all right. He's going to the Patriots, confirmed. Um, but I kind of want to go on this one streak thing because I don't know. I've been thinking about it, and one of the things you kind of hear about teams going into the playoffs, you want to be hot when you go into the playoffs. You want to have this win streak alive so you can do damage in there, and then you lose or you win. Is it a good or bad thing to go into the playoffs winning out? Winning Honestly, out is, is being on a, being thing. on a, being on a win streak right now and not no else. All you've done is win. It's a great thing. Playing I, your best football. I agree. I'm a little nervous <laughs> that you get. I mean, unless unless you don't get the one seat. If you get the one seat, I'm like, yes, let's do it. Here you go. You got it. But now I'm kind of like a little nervous that it's going to be a nine-game win streak, and then the first game of the playoffs, I'm going to be like, "What happened?" Or you just ride ride the hot win streak alive into January. I don't know. I don't know what that looks like. I think this team is different because they're playing so well on both sides of the ball. Yeah, I'm trying to. I'm just trying to look up and see. I can't find it on a quick Google. I was trying to see like winning streaks heading into the playoffs. I know if you're losing a lot of games, you don't want to do that. If you, if you look like the Ravens right now, I'm, I'm not too worried about you. I'm not going to lie. If, if, if they, and again, this could come back and get me because they play the Ravens at the last week of the season could determine the division. And I know their quarterback situation is questionable right now with Lamar out. Tyler Huntley is currently battling a concussion. He's limited. He hasn't been cleared yet to play. So their third string could be playing against Cleveland, but overall, just the way they're playing, because speaking of luck, I think the Baltimore Ravens are the luckiest nine and four team in the world because they don't look good every week and they find a way to win. Well, except the Jags. Um, I will say last year it was a three game win streak. I'm not including that Browns game where it was all backups for the Bengals. Almost three game win too. streak heading in. Uh, yeah. Three game win streak cutting in. They beat the Broncos, then they beat the Ravens and Chiefs. And those Ravens Chiefs games were when people started to seriously consider, oh, this is like not just like a fringe playoff team. This is a legit team. And uh, then they rattled off three more in a row. So, I mean, I don't know. Some of it probably just depends on what you want to believe. Do you think that, you know, you're going to be due for a loss if you win no. eight in a row or something heading in there? Personally, I think. I want to win as many games as possible heading in there, mostly just because seeding and, you know, winning the division and everything like that. But also when you're winning this much, you're playing your best football. That's just where it is. Uh, you know, the Bengals right now are a much better team than they were early the season when they were struggling to win. I think right now what's different about this team, obviously they're nine and four, they're better than they were last year at this point in the season. Um, I, I think, you know, we, we, we will learn a lot against Buffalo, uh, what that matchup looks like. So we just, we haven't seen it yet. I think round two versus Baltimore, this team does get their revenge. The Patriots and Bucks game are so questionable to me. Uh, I, I feel like those could be wins at the same time. I don't know. It's weird. The NFL is, is a crazy game and they are sitting on a five game win streak right now. Winning the division is huge. That's always a team's first goal is to finish out regular season, win the division. Then you think about playoffs and what that looks like for you. 
if the playoffs were today, what's wild about it all, if the playoffs were today, Baltimore would be the, the division winners. They would face the Miami Dolphins. The Miami Dolphins would be playing in the semi-cold in Baltimore around this time. Space heaters out. Space heaters out. That is so bizarre to me. That is so bizarre to me. You're bringing space heaters to California. but Because it's like a, 50 or something. 55. I'm sorry. That's a problem. That's a huge problem. Obviously, since I beat the Dolphins already, but um, everyone will say two is not out there the whole time. But I watched two the other night, and uh, I don't really know if I would feel um, about him if I was Miami Dolphins right now going into January. But if you look at the playoff picture right now, it would be Cincinnati traveling to Nashville to take on the Titans in the wild card round. I'd feel good about that. Versus that- everyone else, 100%. <sighs> It almost works out better. You know they're going to win, but yeah, yeah, I would, I would definitely feel good about the Bengals heading to play a team they've beaten twice in a row. But that's what's wild about it, because if they were going to Nashville to play them, that means that Baltimore won the AFC North, and I don't know if I could say Baltimore would beat the Miami Dolphins because I don't know what this Baltimore team is, and they're the division winner. So when it comes to the playoff picture, that first weekend, if it worked out that way, it's not the end of the world. It just would be unfortunate that Cincinnati would have to play on the road for the playoffs. They basically had to last year. They got the one home playoff win, and then the real games, Tennessee and Kansas City, were on the road. And they are basically on the road for that Super Bowl, too, even though you don't get the road environment because it's all corporate. But mm-hmm. they were in Los Angeles, and the Rams are from Los Angeles. So Rams are sleeping in their own beds and the Bengals are on the road. Um, I think they could do it. That's that's also why I picked them for the Super Bowl. Now you get to say it because they're nine and four and you're like, I picked them before the season. I picked the Philadelphia Eagles before the season. And you're like, I I know that they were going to go this far. I mean, we don't know, but I'm I'm hoping, believe me, I was just thinking about it the other night. I said, you know what? I'm supposed to go to Arizona in March for spring training. I wouldn't hate to go to Arizona in February and March. Arizona is one of my favorite states in the United States. I go every year. Let me go on a Super Bowl trip. This team is getting a little expensive, I will say. But let let me do it. I'm all about it. I'm all about it. The only problem is got to decide. Do I sit out the Nashville trip if they play in Nashville and just stay at home for all the road playoff games? And if they found their way to Arizona, just go to Arizona? Or you got to make that Nashville trip for a playoff game? I don't know. You're talking to a guy that goes to like one game a year. <laughs> come on, you gotta go. Oh, the Super Bowl. Oh, come on. That's that's so much money. That's that's so much. I can't believe I'm saying go to the Super Bowl like it's a normal thing. Um I'm just, I'm just gotta look up what are you asking me to spend right now? It's, if I'm gonna get a nosebleed ticket. I will tell you this. I got my ticket three days before the game and I called the the people and I was like, look, because I was with six family members. And I said, we're going to buy six Super Bowl tickets from you. How much can you get off? How much can we take off this ticket? And the guy gave us like a number. And it wasn't great, but um, they were $8,000 the week of, and they went down big time. It's uh, it's currently $5,850 to sit in section 453. Well, the good news is we're not going to jinx the Cincinnati Bengals because we don't know what's going to happen. Uh, but the whole thing is just wild to think about. Honestly, we're sitting here in December and thinking, you know what? And and knowing like past history before Zach Taylor, before Joe Burrow, and just thinking, yeah, they could play all the road playoff games. Yeah, they could be the last seed in the wild. Well, they won't. I don't think they'll be the last seed in the wild card. I think they'll be the fifth seed um, overall. And again, play Nashville or play Nashville, play the Titans. And um, 
and they'll they'll be fine. I don't think I would want to face the Cincinnati Bengals at this point in the season. I would not want to face them come January. Just the way they're playing. It does sound it sounds so biased when I talk about it and and say I do feel like they're playing better than the Bills or they're playing better than the Chiefs. I know the Bills are kind of getting hammered with the way they look on offense lately, but at the same time, I don't know. I mean, obviously anything's possible in January. It just feels like that matchup with Kansas City is going to happen again. Hopefully. I, I think that'd be fun. Uh, but yeah, I, I think, yeah, this team can play on the road really well in the playoffs. I, they've been a better home team, I guess. The fun thing for the Bengals right now is they're, yeah, the fifth seed. They control their own destiny up to the two seed though, because if they beat the bills and the bills go undefeated, otherwise the Bengals have the tiebreaker and it's a tied record. I was just messing with that thing today, but I am for some reason, like I'm right. Right. Like the, the, the bills of. Uh, 10 wins, Bengals have nine wins. Um, but they control, like, yeah, 10 and three for the Bills. Okay. So uh, they control their own destiny up to the two seed. The Chiefs drop one game. Guess who they've got a tiebreaker over? The Chiefs. So they yeah. could get to the one seed. Like, it's not super unrealistic for them to get a bye in the playoffs. I, I think it's unrealistic, but I don't think it's like, it's not like you're going. Okay, the Bengals win this game, and then you need a tie. Oh yeah, you don't have. They can almost clinch their spot then, next week. Yeah. So I mean, I'm not. Yeah, I think it becomes know, a greater than 99% chance if they beat the Bucks just to make the playoffs. I'm just saying that if they do win out, they get the two seed uh, because even if Baltimore wins out, otherwise, even if Buffalo wins out, otherwise, the Bengals will have beaten them and gotten a better record than Baltimore and a same record as Buffalo, but with the tiebreaker. They can't jump. Kansas City if Kansas City wins out because they don't play Kansas City so they can't force them to lose another game but if Kansas City just drops a game like they almost did to Denver then you went out Kansas City drops one game you're the one seed and that's the thing if you're the one seed you get the one week off and the health is what you need you want to get healthy as possible for that that first game in the divisional round this team plays really good at home and not that they can't win on the road. They, they won an AFC championship game in one of the toughest NFL environments, and it didn't phase them at all. Uh, but at the same time, I know we're getting a little excited and kind of looking ahead a, a little too much. But right now, you can talk about it. You're 9-4, and four, and you do control your own destiny. And there's not one team in the NFL and the rest of the way that I could say, I don't think they could beat them. And I don't think a lot of teams, even in the playoff picture, feel that way. If you're the Chiefs, can you say, we could beat anybody on this schedule? I don't know if you could say that. You got Cincinnati. You're going to see Cincinnati. In the, if you that's that's the thing is that like the Chiefs fans probably feel as if their team is better, you know, with Mahomes and on paper with Reed, they you know they probably feel like they have better coaching. But if you ask the Chiefs fan, who do you least want to play? It's probably the Bengals, right? It they've is. The Bills in the moment. They've, they've beaten every other team, it feels like, but they can't get over that Joe Burrow hump. So what's your favorite matchup in the Eagles-Bengals Super Bowl? My favorite matchup? Oh my goodness. I don't know. Those wide receivers against the corners. I'm taking it. I'm taking it. I like the way my secondary is playing right now. I know it's going to be a battle. Let's go. DJ Reader versus Jason Kelsey. What a matchup that would be. Now I'm getting excited because here's the thing about Philadelphia fans. They're intense. Cincinnati Cincinnati fans are intense. We would have so much fun in Arizona and just, 
way. I'm getting way too excited. I'm not thinking about the playoffs. I haven't looked at anything when it comes yeah, to Yeah, no, I was just making a joke. But let's, yeah, let's, uh, back it up. let's back it up. Let's back it up. No, Super Bowl is really hard to get to. Teams don't make it back-to-back. I'm jinxing the Bengals as much as possible on this podcast right now. Um, it would be really hard. But, uh, but yeah, they, they play well at home. And even if they got the two seed, uh, the only loss at home this season was the Steelers. <laughs> uh, that'll be a fun st- if if this all does happen that becomes one of the fun not fun trivia stats of the yeah. Bengals. like the Bengals went undefeated at home except for one game in 2022 who was it but but the thing about that whole the whole entire thing is they if they win that game they're right they're they're the number one seed right yeah now. they would control they would be the number one seed and control their own destiny but I mean, that's just not how the cookie crumbles it's not it's not we can't look back on it that's the game that's what happened you turned the ball over five times you can't have you can't have it come down to um, a missed extra point but right now Cincinnati's in a good spot nine and and a missed field goal we don't talk about that uh, special teams man that's the one thing I want this team to get better at. It was just funny. It happened twice in the same game where it was just the long snapper. But, and I had to go to bat for the emergency long snapper who I thought did an okay job. He's just not an NFL level long snapper that, you know, can make up for a missed block. But Clark again, Harris away. There were Clark they Harris were away. The Cal Allen Adamitis away. How do you think Cal's done? I mean, I know we need to wrap this up. Totally random, but I just want to I don't know. Fine. I mean, have you looked at Cal's tape? <laughs> no, I'm not at all. <laughs> I think I noticed one kind of high snap. Uh, that's that's about it. Oh my gosh, I can't believe I asked you that with time wrapped up. Um, stop trying to take. Okay, we have to admit our producer Nick said we have to stop trying to take away one of his team's five wins. I'm still disappointed in the Pittsburgh Steelers for not taking care of business last week. They have. One I feel more, more sympathetic if they beat Baltimore. I don't feel anything for them. Okay, they have one more game against Baltimore, and I need them to get it done. Finally. That's true. But they couldn't beat the third string guy. Uh, they didn't have they, look who their quarterback was. was I can't say Bengals. much. He beat the Bengals. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. This full circle moment needs to end. This podcast is over today. The Bengals are 9-4. and four. We're going to talk Joe Burrow versus Tom Brady, even though they're not really going to be facing each other. They're going to be facing the defenses. Uh, but that's been the talk this week, and I really can't wait to see what's going to happen. Will the Bucks rebound? Will Cincinnati have six wins in a row? We hope for positive news this week when it comes to injuries. We'll get an update on T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, and hopefully Trey Hendrickson when they hit the practice field. What is on all Bengals right now? Ah, man, I haven't decided fully yet. This is how you know my process is not very sound. Okay. Uh, Just make something up. <laughs> um, I mean, I kind of want to write about Jamar Chase because I thought he had a really good game. So I think that's where where everything will go. I thought about writing about the run defense again. I was like, they would be like no. the same thing I wrote about against Tennessee, and that was only a few weeks ago. It, I know they were probably the best or second best part of that game, but I think I'm going to roll with Jamar Chase instead. Put Jamar Chase out there, promise people will click on it. Um, <laughs> that's my advice. Nothing against defense. Defense doesn't get enough credit, even though Tom Brady called them fairly tough. I don't think it was, you know, a shot at the defense. That's just how he described Cincinnati's defense. We'll talk more about the matchup on Thursday. Make sure you're following along. Bengals underscore Sands at LNDS Patterson. As always, thank you for listening to It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati.